Welcome to the Healing School Podcast. This is a place where you can get built up in the Word of God concerning healing. This is a place of truth and bold faith in the Word of God. We encourage you to get your Bible and some notepaper. Write down what the Lord is speaking to you. This is a place for both receiving and ministering healing. The stronger your faith gets in this area, the more effective you will be for the kingdom of our God. Hold fast to the scriptures. The truth of the scripture never changes and it never gets old. These are episodes you can feed on time and time again. Please share our podcasts with other people. Most always, someone either needs healing or knows someone who does. God bless you and heal you as you hear his word. Let me uh, give you the title of the message. It's called Healing Others with Christ's Authority. So this primarily concerns lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So what he wants to do is use his authority. Use the authority in the name of Jesus. Now, just, just today I've been thinking about we are the body of Christ, right? Now, when he left earth, he ascended, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But then we are his body. So we are his mouth and his feet. Wherever we go, we are in Christ. And he wants to speak through us heal through us, minister to us. He said, go into all the world, which really means I'll go into all the Okay. You uh, go to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read verse 8. In two versions, so I don't know what version you have. Jesus said, all power and on earth has been given to me. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So I want to read from the Amplified. This will crank your horn as it cranked mine, okay? Jesus came and said to the disciples, all authority... All power of absolute rule in heaven and earth has been given to me. Think about that. All authority, all rule in heaven and earth. So, and really it's through us, his body, that he wants to rule on earth, right? So, I did, uh, I looked up the definition of authority and I looked up the definition of power. Because in this first power in heaven and earth has been given to me. So the definition of power is the ability to direct the course of events. It's the ability to direct the course of events. And Jesus said, all power has been given to him. 
So Jesus can direct the course of events on heaven and on earth. And he can do it through you. Tina, he can do it through you. He can change the course. So you might run across your neighbor who's sick, right? And they're sick in body. But all power, he's given you the use of his power. So you can go lay hands on your neighbor and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Then he'll confirm the word with signs following, right? So he'll drive out that sickness. He'll release healing into their body. Okay. Now I'm going to give you the definition of authority. The power or right to give orders, to make decisions, and enforce obedience. I'm going to say that again. The power or right to give orders, to make decisions, and enforce obedience. We're going to be going through scripture, and everywhere Jesus says, be healed, they were healed. Why? Because he's got the power and the right to give orders and enforce obedience in heaven and on earth. Let me give you another definition of authority. I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to uh, add to it, okay? So a person or an organization having power or control in a particular sphere. Now, let me read you that with a little bit of help. A person, Jesus, an organization, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, having power or control in a particular sphere like heaven and earth. He has all power in heaven and earth. And then he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, the Amplified Bible sometimes puts parentheses and adds. So here's what it added. Make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, to believe in me, and obey my words. So, you know, when I used to think of that, I, I kind of... Go make disciples of all nations. I, w I was thinking of preaching. But the reality of it is most of the time we share one-on-one -on -one or in a small group. So what he wants you to do is help people to learn of Jesus. Talk about him. You know what I mean? And then he wants you to learn of him, to believe in him. And if you believe... That anointing is transferable. Yeah, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants his power flowing through us to speak his word. And, it, and, and if we have that thought, lay hands on that person. So you ask him, do you mind if I lay hands on you? Command that sickness to go and the healing to come. Would that be okay? See to me.
So he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, help people learn of me, believe in me, obey me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, remaining with you uh, forever, okay? Regardless of circumstances, even to the end of the age, okay? So, now we're going to start going through some scripture. And I'm going to put this Bible away. Okay, Luke 7. Uh, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 10. And this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And... Uh, this is about the centurion, and Jesus was amazed at his faith. Think about that. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile, but he was a centurion. So that's, um, I have to be smarter than my Bible. Okay, I'm going to start. After Jesus finished talking to the people, he decided to go to Capernaum, a Roman's officer's personal slave who was highly respected and like one of the family had become terribly sick and was at the verge of death. When the officer learned, heard about Jesus' power to heal, think about that. Just in conversation, people were talking to him, but they were talking about this man that had the power to heal. His name, that's what we're to do. Talk about the man that has the power to heal. His name is Jesus. So anyway, he asked some of the religious leaders uh, to ask Jesus to come to his house and heal his servant. And he went to Jesus and said, there's a Roman officer who seeks your help. And he deserves all the help you can give him. He loves our people. Uh and he even had a synagogue built right here in this town. So Jesus followed the Jewish leaders toward the officer's house. When they were going along, making little progress because of the crowd, the officer himself came to Jesus and said, Lord, I wish you wouldn't trouble yourself to come to my home because I don't feel worthy to even come to my home. That's the reason I didn't come and see you and ask others. All you have to do, uh, this is the Roman officer now. He said, all you have to do is command the sickness to go, go away, and it will. And my servant will be healed. Because I know how the chain of command works, for I am an officer and have soldiers under me who recognize my authority. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at the kind of faith this Roman officer had in him. He turned to the people and said, I tell you, I haven't found anyone with that kind of faith in Israel. But think about it. This Roman officer, and you know it's still true today, 
in service, you're to obey those in authority over you. You do what they say, right? Isn't that the way? All service works that way. Well, this was, and back then, that was the largest army there was, a Roman officer. And anybody that was under him, he had the ability to say, go, and they went. Come, and they came. Do this. Now, here's the reality. You are a part of the body of Christ. And the Lord says, you, Linda, you have the ability to tell a sickness, go, and it'll go. Right? So that's what we're to do. We're to go around just as Jesus did. Find somebody sick, lay hands on them, and say, sickness be gone in the name of Jesus. Healing come. That's pretty good. Right? Another version, the Amplified Version says, uh, only say the word and my servant will be healed. And so, and when we talk about authority, I'm going to give examples. And uh, I'm going to use, for the most part, uh, Mark. But then I'm going to go to Genesis because that's the book of beginning. And that's how it all started. Chapter 1. But before we do that, let's go down to Luke uh, chapter 7, verse 11. It's just down a couple verses. The next day, Jesus made his way to the little city of Nain, accompanied by his followers and many other people. As he approached the city gate, a funeral procession was on its way out. The widow's only son had a crowd made up of religious, of relatives, friends, and sympathizers. Sympathetic town people were following, carrying the body. Jesus stepped aside, led him by, and as the weeping mother passed, his heart went out in compassion for her. As she looked up at him, Jesus said, don't cry. Then he stopped the possession, walked over to the litter, which the body lay, touched it, and said, young man, I'm telling you, get up. We're going to see works this way. Gives a command, and then right here, there's the results. Now, the results come of Jesus. But we're to give the command. Jesus is in heaven, and we're his body. So we're supposed to speak his commands. Okay, so he tells the young man, rise up. And what happened? Well, the young man opened his eyes, rose up, and began to walk and talk. Praise God. Can you imagine the joy of his mother? I mean, it's one thing to be sick, but when you get really sick, you D-E-A-D, what is that, D-E-A-D, dead. 
So, Beth's sickness to the max. And Jesus said, rise up. You know, pretty good. Okay. I got to go change to my next sheet of paper. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 1 in verse 21. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. There. This is when Jesus cast out demons, okay? Together the five walked to the nearby town of Capernaum. On the Sabbath, Jesus went to the local synagogue and taught the group of people assembled there. They were amazed at his teaching, both at what he said and the authoritative way in which he spoke. He wasn't like the scribes who were always twisting scriptures to fit their traditions. This particular Sabbath day, there was a man present who was demon-possessed. He stood up and shouted, Leave us alone. What have we to do with you? You're Jesus of Nazareth, aren't you? Have you come to punish us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. Jesus rebuked the demon. Stop shouting. He gave a command. He used his authority. And come out of him. Immediately the demon threw the man down into convulsions. And then with a shriek left him. Everyone was awestruck. What kind of teacher is this? His authority is amazing. He tells the demons what to do, and they do it. That's what authority is. Jesus says, I have all power, all authority. I tell demons what to do, and they do it. They obey. Now I've gone to heaven, and I want you to do it. You tell them what to do, and they'll do it because it's my authority, and I back up my authority. Okay. Go down just a couple verses later, 32. When the Sabbath was over, the townspeople brought all the sick, even those who were demon-possessed, to Jesus to be healed. Seemingly, the whole town gathered outside Peter's house. That evening, Jesus healed many people of all kinds of diseases and cast out many demons, telling the demons to come out quietly, which they did. He tells the demons what to do, and they do it. Actually, he tells sickness what to do, and sickness does it. Leave that body in Jesus' name. Okay. Now, you don't have to go over to the to uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to read you uh, a number of verses, and then I want you to picture this. In, in my left hand here is the command. In my right hand is the results of the command. In verse 3, 
The Holy Spirit is moving over the face of the earth. Jesus issues a command. Let there be light. That's the result. There was light. Right. Then in verse 6, let there be sky. Some versions say firmament, but it means the same thing. Let there be sky. That's the command. What's the result? There was sky. Right? Then it says in verse 9, let the waters be collected, gathered in, and let the dry land appear. Now, have you ever seen a picture of outer space looking at planet Earth? And it's just beautiful. And you see, you see the waters gathered. They're called oceans. And then you see the continents. That's called land. Let there be waters gathered. Let the land appear. What's the result? And it was so. Command the results. Okay. In verse 11, now I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to add and embellish on this a little bit. This is not exactly because uh, it breaks all three of these into, but I'm going to separate it. Let there be, let grass appear and grass appear. Let the trees appear, fruit bearing trees, and the trees appear. Let the plants appear and the plants appear. You know, don't you get the picture he's trying to show us? Genesis in the book of beginnings. This is the way the kingdom of God operates. I give a command and it obeys me. Demons obey me. Creation obey me. Everything obeys me. All power, authority has been given unto me. But now you go, Tina, David, you go, Linda, you go, Chrissy, you go, Jenny, and you go. And so where to go? Now, in verse 14, let there be lights in the sky, sun, moon, and stars. What are the results? Every morning when I wake up, I see sunlight. The results, it happened. God gave a command, and it happened. Let the bodies of water swarm with all kinds of fish. And that's what happened. And let the skies, let the birds appear in the sky. And that's what happened. Give it, Jesus gives a command, and it happens. And we're to give commands. And Jesus will confirm his word, and it happens. And then uh, let various kinds of animals appear on the earth, and that's what happened. So isn't that interesting? He starts out the book of Genesis, the very beginning, to try to make us realize this is the way the kingdom of God operates. Give a command, and I make it happen. 
And then he said, let us make man in our likeness and let him have dominion. That word dominion means power and authority. Let man have power and authority. Well, whose power and authority? Jesus' power and authority. Because he has all power and authority. But he wants us to use it. One thing I've been getting out of, out of his teaching, and I, I've seen it. First, first he started out, and he gathered disciples. He made 12 of them apostles, right? And then he called them aside, and he said, okay, I want you to go out and preach. I want you to go out and cast out demons. And I want you to lay hands on the sick. And he didn't say it, but he knew it, and the sick will recover. And so they, so they went out. And then, like a couple chapters later, he sent 70 out. In other words, 12 people wasn't just enough. We need 70. That's quite a bit more. You know what I mean? And he gave them the same thing. I want you to preach. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. And then the very last chapter, whether you read it in Matthew or whether you read it in Mark, he commissioned the whole church. And guess what? All of us here are part of the church. I'm going to sit down at the right hand of the Father, but you go, you preach, you lay hands on the sick, you cast out demons. Because you're my body, and I'll confirm the word with signs following. God. Okay. Go over to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Okay, I'm going to read a couple verses before 16. Then Jesus, this is uh, verse 13. Then Jesus left Galilee and headed north to the city of Caesarea Philippi. Here he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some people think you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Others think you're Elijah, returned from heaven. Some think you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets raised to life. Jesus asked, who do you think I am? Peter answered, we believe you're the one who was to come, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said, bless you, Peter. You spoke this truth with such conviction that it obviously didn't come to you from any human source but as a revelation from my father. But don't become overconfident. You're just a small rock, as your name imply, indicates. However, the rock on which I will build my church is the truth that was just revealed to you. 
The gates of wickedness and death will not be able to stand against it. Now, what was revealed was he was the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he said this, the gates of wickedness and death, sickness, you know, there's minor sickness, major sickness, and death. And he said, the gates of wickedness and death will not prevail against really me because I have all power and I have all authority and I've commissioned you to go out to speak my words, right? I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified is so good in so many ways, you know what I mean? I will give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper or unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. Let me tell you, every sickness is unlawful in heaven. And he wants unlawful on earth. So you know what? When we lay hands on somebody, we're going to say, I bind up that sickness in the name of Jesus. And I command it to stop and to leave this body. And guess what? Jesus is confirming with signs following. So let me go. Whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose, permit, declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. What are we to lose? Healing, health, the goodness of God, the blessings of God. There's so many things we can loose that have already been loosed in heaven. Jesus is just waiting for somebody to say, I lose blessings on you in the name of Jesus. I lose health into your body in the name of Jesus. So he has all authority, and he gives us the ability to use his authority. Okay. Now I want you to go over to Book of Mark. We're going to read a couple passages of Scripture, but Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Okay. This is Jesus healing the leopard. Near one town, a leopard came to Jesus. He knelt down in front of him and said, I know if you will, you can heal me. When Jesus saw this man's condition, he was moved with compassion. He reached out and touched him and said, Of course. I want you to be clean. Be healed. There's the command, right? What's the result? Instantly, the leprosy was gone, and the man was healed. So be healed. You know what? When you think about it, and as we go through here, 
Jesus did not pray an everlasting prayer when he ministered. Sometimes I've been to churches where I've seen this and people go for it to be healed and, and it must be the everlasting prayer, although I didn't hear it, but it went on and on and on and on. And Jesus said, be healed. That's the use of authority. That's knowing that I have the authority to command that body that was sick, that had leprosy, to be healed, and it would be healed. Did that take a long time? Was that an everlasting prayer? No, it was a command. And he expected obedience. And guess what? There was obedience. A man was healed in the name of Jesus. Now let's go to, to Mark chapter 2. And uh, this is Jesus healing the paralytic. Sometime later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the people soon discovered where he was staying. In a matter of hours, so many came to see him that the home was jammed with people. Outside, they crowded around the open windows to learn from him or to listen to him preach the word of God to them. Then four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, hoping to ask Jesus to heal their friend. But because of the crowd, they couldn't get near Jesus. Someone suggested they climb on the roof, lift off the roofing material, and lift down the mat right in front of Jesus. And that's what they did. When Jesus saw what was happening, he admired their faith. In other words, they knew if they got their friend in front of Jesus, and if he touched them, and spoke the word, he'd be healed. That's their faith. Jesus admired their faith, and he said to the man who had been lowered in front of him, son, don't worry about your past sins. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know how many times I've read this in, in preparing for this, but one of the times he said, I, I speak the same. What I spoke to one, I speak to you. Sins, they're forgiven. He is forgiving every one of our sins. Psalm 103, don't forget any of the benefit. He has forgiven all your sin. He's healed all your diseases. And we just need to thank him and praise him. You're the God that healeth me. You're the God that forgiveth all my sins. As far as the east from the west, you've removed every sin from me. Doesn't matter what we've done, Jesus is bigger than what we've done. He's forgiven all our sins. So anyway, so he told this man, I lost my place. But anyway, son, don't worry about your past sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes and the Pharisees heard him say that. And said to themselves, who does he think he is to forgive sin? No human can do this. Actually, that's true. No human can do this, but God can. But Jesus was God right in front of them. That's blasphemy, they said. Immediately, immediately, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He turned to them and said, 
Why are you questioning what I just did? Do you think I've committed blasphemy and given this man false hope? Let me ask you, which takes more power, to forgive sins or to heal a paralyzed body? To help you understand I have the power to forgive sin, I will show you that I also have the power to heal. He turned to the paralyzed man and said, get up. That's the command. Pick up your mat and uh, go home. What's the result? And the man was healed. He picked up his mat and he went home. Jesus issued a command and then we see the result. When Jesus speaks, results happen. His body. And we're to realize, I guess it takes time. I guess that's why he said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. We need to hear his word over and over and over. Okay. Then um, go to chapter 5. Oh, I'm sorry, chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. Another time when Jesus and the disciples went into the synagogue, they saw a man there with a shriveled arm. Some of the Pharisees in the congregation had come to spy on Jesus to see whether or not he would heal on the Sabbath so they could accuse him of breaking the law. In spite of this, when Jesus saw the man's shriveled arm, he said, come up front. When the man came up front, Jesus turned to the congregation and said, which is worse, to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? Is it better to make someone whole on the Sabbath or let them suffer? But they just sat there and said nothing. Jesus was hurt as he looked around the congregation because not one of them seemed to know what he was talking about. Their minds were already made up about what should or shouldn't be done on the Sabbath. So Jesus turned back to the man with a shriveled arm and said, stretch out your arm. And as the man did his best to hold up his shriveled arm, then suddenly it straightened and became like the other one. Praise God. Go to chapter 4, verse 35. And this is uh, when Jesus calms the storm. A after Jesus had healed many people and taught them and explained the parables to his disciples, he said to them, let's go across the lake. So Jesus dismissed the people and sent them home. Then the disciples got into their little fishing boat with him and pushed off across the lake, a couple other fishing boats sailed with them. When they were about halfway across, a gale force wind suddenly swept down the slopes from around the lake, whipping up the waves. Within minutes, they found themselves in a fierce storm 
their boats filling with the water. In the midst of all this, Jesus was curled up at the end of the boat, his head resting on a makeshift pillow, peacefully sleeping through it all. His disciples became so desperate that they shook him and said, Master, wake up. Don't you care about what happens to us? We're about to drown. Jesus, knowing that demons were causing the fierce wind, stood up and said to the storm, Peace, be still. That was the command, right? And a great calm came over the lake. That's the result. Think about that. He has the ability to command creation to come into being, and it did. He has the ability to tell demons. He has the ability to tell the wind and the waves, be calm, and it's calm. My God can do anything. My Jesus can do anything. He has all power. He has all authority, and he wants me to go Use his power and authority because I'm part of the body of Christ. Praise God. Now, let's go to chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 21 because it ties into the second part. And I really want to get to the second part. Okay, verse 21. Jesus and the disciples crossed back over the lake. And as soon as he got to... The other side, people came from everywhere to see him. Well, he was by the lakeside. One of the local synagogue leaders named Jairus came, fell at his knees in front of him and begged him, saying, My young daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her and heal her so she will live. You think he had a reputation? You know what I mean? Yes, quite a reputation. So anyway, in uh, verse 25, a woman who had been menstruating almost continually for the last 12 years was in the crowd. Over the years, she had gone to many physicians, using all her life savings in the process, but without success. In fact, her condition was getting worse. When she heard about Jesus, that's really one of the key verses. When she heard about Jesus, what did she hear? He is the ability to heal. When she heard about Jesus, she gradually pushed her way into the front of the crowd, telling herself, if only I can touch his robe, I know I'll be healed. The instant she did, the bleeding stopped. Suddenly, she felt better and knew that she had been healed. At that same moment, Jesus turned around, knowing that healing power had gone out of him. He asked, who touched my robe? The disciples said, with all these people pushing back and forth, how can you ask such a question? But Jesus looked around and saw, hiding in the crowd, the woman who had touched him. The woman was so afraid that she was shaking all over, but she pushed her way to the crowd, fell on her knees, and told Jesus the whole story. Jesus said to her, 
don't be afraid. You're healed now, so be glad and go back and enjoy your family and friends. While he was speaking, uh, others who had just come from Jairus' house pushed through the crowd and said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. There's no use bothering or there's no use bothering the master anymore. Jesus overheard the news and said to Jairus, "Don't lose hope. Believe in me just as this woman has." So, we want to believe, right? He turned to the people and asked them not to follow him. He also told the disciples to stay with the people. But he did take Peter, James, and John with him. Led by Jairus, they went to his house as quickly as they could. The professional mourners had already arrived as some of the relatives in the house was full of weeping people. Jairus, Jesus, and the disciples said to the professional mourners, why are you crying and making such a commotion? The girl isn't dead, she's sleeping. They laughed in his face, so he insisted that everyone go outside and wait. When everyone was out, he, the parents, and three disciples went to the bedroom where the dead girl was lying. Jesus took her hand and said, Little girl, I want you to get up. That's the command. And then what's the result? Instantly. She opened her eyes, sat up, and got out of bed. <laughs> All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. I can command even dead people to come to life, and they will. You can command, and they will. Really, I guess the key is just being led by the Spirit. You know what I mean? So, let's go over to chapter 7 and verse 31. And my headline here is, Jesus Restores a Man's Speech. Leaving the area of Ty and Sidon, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee, went on to the province of Decapolis. There the people brought to him a deaf person, who also had a speech impediment and begged Jesus to heal him. Jesus took the man aside and put his fingers in his ears, took a little saliva, and touched the tip of the man's tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and sighed, I'm not even sure if I'm saying this, but epathica, which means, let's, let's get the English version. Be open, open up. So he told uh, the man's tongue to open up. What's the result? He gave a command. Instantly, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loose so he could both hear and speak freely. So we've just seen example after example of giving a command, seeing the results, using all power, all authority, that's in Jesus.
Let's go to uh, chapter 9. And uh, I like this. Just before at the beginning of chapter 9, uh, Jesus, the transfiguration. You know, he became white. His clothes glowed. You know what I mean? So anyway, now they're going down the mountain. And uh, at the bottom of the mountain, they come. And when they get to the bottom of the mountain, this is a verse 14, where they had left the other disciples, they saw a large crowd listening to the scribes and the Pharisees questioning them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overcome with awe, but ran to greet him. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, what are they questioning you about? Before they could answer, a man said, teacher, I brought my son to your disciples to be healed of devil possession. An evil spirit has been controlling him, telling him where to go and what to do. It throws him to the ground, and he starts foaming at the mouth as if he's raving mad. Then he grinds his teeth, and his body stiffens as if he were dead. I asked your disciples to heal him, but they couldn't. And Jesus said, what an unbelieving generation. How much longer do I have to be with you to show you the power of God? Bring the boy here. They brought to Jesus, the spirit, got a hold of him, threw him on the ground, convulsing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening? Since he was a child. In fact, many times a demon has thrown him into a, or thrown him into the water to drown him. If you can do anything, please have mercy and help him. Jesus said to the father, it's not a question of if I can. He's pretty sure of his authority to heal anybody. It's not a question of whether I can. It's a question of whether you believe that I can. You know what? I, I pondered this. I'm still pondering this, but the father cried out, Teacher, I do believe. Please help me overcome my unbelief. Please give me the kind of faith that I need. Then the people started coming. And so Jesus thought it was time to end this. And he said, said to the demon, come out and leave the boy alone. Don't ever bother him again. And that's what happened. But you know what? I'll read the rest of this. because So letting out a shriek and throwing the boy into a great convulsion, the evil spirit came out. But the boy laid there as if dead. And in fact, some of the people said, look, he's dead. But Jesus stepped over him, took him by the hand, and helped him up. Later, when Jesus and his disciples had been eating lunch at someone's house, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Jesus answered, this or this kind can only be done 
through prayer and walking humbly with God. So there's something about different levels of uh, demonic possession. And on some, we need to pray. So, and if his disciples who were traveling with him every day needed to pray, like Jesus, then I think we need to pray. We need to take the time to pray. Scriptures say pray continually, all the time. So, okay. Go to Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Okay. Now, this is after uh, a rich man uh, asks about following the Lord. And so anyway, they turned, the disciples said to Jesus, if the rich whom it seems God has blessed can't be saved, what hope do we have? And Jesus interrupted them. So in other words, they weren't speaking good words. He interrupted them, right? And he said, salvation is totally the work of God. And what may seem impossible you, with you is possible with God. Now, my understanding of salvation, it means being saved. It means being healed. So, salvation is totally the work of God. So, when we're in front of somebody and the Holy Spirit's telling us to lay hands on them, their healing is totally the work of God. Because salvation is totally the work of God. You don't have to worry about it. And then, and if we look at the condition, it could be somebody that's blind. I've always thought healing a blind person, other than raising the dead, is kind of one of the ultimates. You know what I mean? But that's totally the work of God. And it may, be, it may look impossible to you, but the reality, all things are possible with God. All things. He can use you to lay hands on, this, to lay hands on a blind man I come. He just wants you to to do it, to be obedient to his word. It's up to him to confirm the word with signs following. Okay, chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to start with verse 46. This is Jesus healing the two blind men. When Jesus and his disciples approached Jericho, people streamed from their houses and followed them. When they reached the outskirts of the city, they saw a blind by Bartholomew sitting with his friend by the side of the road begging. Someone told him that Jesus was coming, so he started yelling, Jesus! Divine Son of David, have mercy on us. People tried to quiet him because 
they were embarrassed with his constant yelling, but he shouted even louder. Divine Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus came near to the place where Bartholomew's bed, he stopped and said, bring him here. Someone went over and said, stand up, Jesus wants you to see you. So Bartholomew threw his robe aside, jumped up, and guided by others, he and his friend came to Jesus. Jesus asked, what is it that you want me to do for you? Bartholomew said, Rabbi, my friend and I want to see you again. Jesus answered, be on your way because of your faith. You're healed. That's the command. What's the result? Instantly, Bartholomew and his friend could see. So we give commands, and it's up to the Lord. Go to um, chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 20 to 24. This is the lesson of the fig tree. This, the next morning, he returned to Jerusalem, and he took the same route that he'd taken the day before. The disciples were amazed that the fig tree that Jesus cursed was already dead. Then Peter, remembering what Jesus had said to the tree the morning before, Master, look, that fig tree, you cursed it only yesterday and today, the whole tree is dead. Jesus answered, if you had the right kind of faith in God, you could tell a mound to throw itself into the sea and it would be done for you. God can remove any obstacle that stands in the way of your ministry. As you pray, ask God to give you the faith to believe that he will help you, and he will do it. So you know what? I'm going to meditate that verse and meditate that verse and meditate that verse. And I'm going to pray. Lord, give me the faith to believe. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. There's something there, and I certainly don't know all what it is, but it's been put in the Bible for our, our help, for our instruction, for our obedience. Now let's go to chapter 16, the book of Mark. I'm going to read about a commission. Verse 14, 16. That evening, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating. He gently rebuked them for their lack of faith and their refusal to believe the reports of his resurrection. Then he said to them, Go and preach the good news of God's love to the whole world. Anyone who believes is baptized shall be saved, 
for those who believe will be found guilty. Those who believe will be able to work miracles. And here's the three miracles. So demons in my name, they'll preach in languages, they'll preach in tongues. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Those are miracles. Jesus calls those miracles. Speaking in tongues is a miracle. Think about that. Every church service that, that the pastor says, let's all pray in tongues. You are seeing a miracle manifest before your very eyes. And every time you lay hands on the sick and they recover, you're seeing a miracle in the name of Jesus. Every time you cast out demons, you're seeing a miracle. So, then uh, after the Lord had stayed with them many days, he ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. Then the disciples went everywhere preaching the good news, and the Lord confirmed his word by the miracles that he did through them. So you know what? That's, that's Jesus' job, to confirm the word. So we're, we're to preach, we're to talk, we're to share, we're to lay hands on the sick, we're to cast out devils. He'll confirm his word and work his miracles through them. So he'll work his miracles through every one of us. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, I got one more page. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 9. Okay. Then he, meaning Jesus, called together 12 disciples and gave them power to heal all kinds of diseases, including authority over demons. Okay. So this is the first commission. This is the 12. They also gave that commission to 70, and then he gave it to the whole body of Christ. But I want to go down to verse 10. After the disciples came back, they told Jesus all the things they had done by the authority of his name. See, we use his authority by his name. We speak in his name, and it's his job to confirm the word, the signs following. Praise God. 